it's like marrying your own daughter. But mm. that was okay in those days, and the woman does, does not even have uh, that right to protest. When I said the woman, I even started with my grandmother. She couldn't even protest to say, no, my, mother, my daughter can't get married to somebody who is as old as you. Welcome to the show. I am your host, Anya Fombad, and I spark the heart conversations that challenge questionable cultural and societal norms that threaten the well-being of the African community. And I also share stories about growing up as Africans in Africa and in the diaspora. I strongly believe that normalizing open discussions and sharing experiences, whether good or bad, will not only make you find your voice, but will broaden your sense of purpose and empower others to do the same. So if you have ever tried challenging certain African cultural and societal doctrines, or if you have ever felt like it is about time that we confronted these issues in our African community and do better as a people, or even if you have always been interested in learning about the experiences of other Africans growing up in Africa and the diaspora, then you are in the right place. Welcome to Living African. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Living African. So in the past episodes, we have heard people's stories. We have carried those conversations behind the scenes, hopefully, and these episodes have sparked conversations within our circles. And I am not excluded from that because after every episode, I have a conversation with my family, especially my parents, and we get to really talk about these experiences and how they can be related to our lives. Now, from the last couple of episodes, especially the last three episodes that had to do with domestic abuse and divorce, I believe the last four episodes, actually, and we have had so many conversations behind the scenes and I felt like it was a great idea for us to bring it forward and also have those conversations. So this episode actually will be a conversation with my parents and not everything that we will talk about will be factual. Basically it will not be based on facts per se but we will just have that open conversation and look into different perspectives and look into different ideologies that have been spewed in our communities and try to understand the whys behind them. So now we will be talking about the common ideology as to why divorce was not or is not common in our parents' generation compared to our generation. So today I have with me my mom, Dr. Grace Fombert, and my dad, Dr. Rudolf Fombert. They have been married for about 36 years and they actually currently reside in the U.S. Sorry, not in the U.S., they currently reside in Addis Ababa, Ethiopia. Uh, well, I reside in the U.S., but we as a family collectively have been through so much and it's been such a story and I really want to have this conversation on divorce and everything that comes with it, especially in the African community. So I want to welcome mom and dad to the show once more. How are you guys doing? Doing great. Good. Thank you for welcoming us. Okay. Thank you so much. All right. 
So I just wanted us to, you know, like I said, talk about the reason as to why divorce was not or is not common in your generation and the generations above compared to the recent generations. That's my generation and the generations below. Now, general consensus in the African community, which is not necessarily based on facts, by the way, is that compared to you guys' generation, which is basically the baby boomers and above, we, which is our generation you know, that's the millennials and below and maybe Gen X. So basically we do not value marriage because we dis- we divorce easily compared to you guys. And uh, we are very fragile. You know, there's all these ideologies, you know, the side talks that people always make when they hear about a new divorce. So I wanted us to break down the general outlook. That's the global general mm-hmm. outlook on divorce through the generations. And I found this information from a very resourceful law firm online. So I wanted us to start with the generations and then we talk about that general outlook. And then you guys can give your own perspective based on your experience with your parents and your grandparents growing up. So we start with the GI generation, which is people born between 1901 and 1926. So these people lived through so many social and global events like the Great Depression, the World Wars. And to them, the ideology of Till Death Do Us Part, actually, it held a very greater and it still holds a greater deal of weight as, you know, they believe marriage was for life. And the idea of divorce actually carries a stain on one's moral rectitude. So it was kind of a taboo for anyone to bring forth divorce because they believed so much in the traditional values like the husband work the wives take care of the kids and that's how it had to be regardless of what else was going on marriage had to be for life so for those born between 1901 and 1926 i believe that was probably your parents that's my grandparents or your grandparents um and i'm talking to you mom and dad so what how was it growing up back then what was the dynamics between marriages back then in Africa, because this is just a general outlook, but now we're taking it back to Africa. So what will you guys say about that? I'll start with mom. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to to come up with this uh, particular idea. Um, As you would notice, I really have very little uh, knowledge about what happened up to 1926. But uh, from the hearsay stories, you would also know that marriage during that period was a matter of um, families pairing their children. So sometimes you get a child, a girl child that is born, and because the parents are friends, then the parents might already say, okay, my daughter is going to get married to you, even though the age gap is enormously uh, wide. Or your daughter is going to get married to my son. And even in that situation, you find out that the age gap is too wide. And uh, this is maybe um, what you said is not factual, but some of the issues we'll say here are factual. Right. We've had now to live with my mom for a couple of years now. And this is how we now begin to understand what was happening in those uh, days. Uh, She keeps on sharing the choice of a husband, who happens to be my father, wasn't her choice. It was the choice of her father, who was a friend to my father. And so um, to cement their friendship, you have to exchange 
uh, your children. So either your son will get married to my son or you have to get married to one of my daughters. And that happened to be the case of my mother where she had to get married to the friend of her father. So you can imagine the age gap at that point in time. My mother, in, in fact, wasn't even the first wife to my father. So you would imagine that it's like marrying your own daughter. But yeah. that was okay in those days. And the woman does, does not even have uh, that right to protest. When I said the woman, I even started with my grandmother. She couldn't even protest to say, no, my, mother, my daughter can't get married to somebody who is as old as you. And so it was just the norm of the, the time. And when you are in that marriage, it is but normal that you have to make it uh, work as a young girl or as a woman yeah. in a husband's um, home. If the marriage doesn't work, it's as a taboo, as you rightly said, because the fault would be that of the girl. You have to ask your mother for advice. You have to ask her to coach you on how to keep your home. And of course, the, all they knew at that time was do farming and then housekeeping and making sure that the children are well fed and the man is fed. Of course, you realize that even in the farming, the man had little time to go to the farm to clear the farm for the woman. So sometimes they have to invite their friends to come uh, work on one farm and then move to the next farm so that they can meet up with the uh, cultivating uh, season. Um, one thing that we learned also is that being in a polygamous home, which was very uh, much the norm in those days, was just but right. It, the moment you already accept to be in a polygamous home, which they have no choice, you don't even have the voice to complain when your husband is going out with another woman. Mm. In fact, when a woman is pregnant or is breastfeeding at that point and uh, cannot uh, meet uh, the demands of the husband sexually, she was even encouraged to look for her friends to come and fulfill that right um, to the husband. These are things that we have learned um, as we talk every day with my mom and she shares what they used to do in those days. And sometimes some husbands were very nasty that they will not even provide for their wives, but they will provide for girlfriends. So the woman in the house had the, 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 the duty of making friends with the girlfriends so that those girlfriends sometimes would take proceeds from the man and share with them. That is just how bad it used to be in those days. And um, the fact that most women were not allowed to go to school made them uh, financially, physically, and morally uh, uh, dependent on the man, yeah. except for their physical strength to the farm. And that was a big issue. I will pause here and uh, let Daddy maybe add uh, other aspects of it, but uh, this is what we know from that period we, before we enter into our period. Right. Thank you so much. So thank you very much, Mom, um, for, for all of that. Um, just before Daddy dives in, I just wanted to um, really appreciate what you just said. And also, um, before we get into what Dad is going to say, um, I wanted to just give a brief background because I was very fortunate to kind of experience just part of um, 
the marital dynamics between dad, mom, and dad before they died. They died when we were teenagers. But I always, um, I mean, on the outside and as a kid, I always admired their relationship because um, you could see how much my grandfather adored my grandmother. And I believe she was the only wife. And um, I mean, he was relatively... Um, educated back in their days. So um, he was definitely from the GI generation because I believe he was born around 1915. Um, So I really, really admired their dynamics. So I'm really looking forward to hearing what you have to say about that based on your experience with your parents and just the community as a whole, Dad. So you can go ahead and um, chime in. Yeah, as uh, my dad told me, the... Women in those days were not allowed, they were hardly allowed to go to school. And the reason was that if they went to school, their husbands at the end, they will not accept them. So they were not allowed to go to school. And uh, most of the marriages were blind dates because the parents are arranged for them to get married to X or Y. And you could not refuse if they gave you a woman. Right. So... The women did not work. Most of them were 100% housewives. And the only work they could do was farming. So it was a little bit less tedious for a woman of my uh, mother's status because she was married to my dad. I I grew up, my dad was a headmaster by 1936. And... um, she had people to help her, at least in the farm. Right. But they were 100% dependent on their husbands. Right. And they, they could not, yeah, they, 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 you hardly found any women who worked. All they could do was perhaps knitting, sewing, and uh, those who could uh, afford that had machines to do that. And that was the only employment that they had. Right. And uh, some of them had stores. Right. So marriage was something. And of course, nobody could have. There was nothing like hearing of divorce. Uh, We never knew anything about uh, parents uh, battering others. But we heard about it from other people. And even though if the husbands did that, the wives could not go back to their parents. Parents, yeah. And I have an idea about what um, happened to some women that they even went back when the battering was very serious and the parents would just laugh at them and ask them to leave and go back immediately. Right. So it, it was a taboo to hear of that in those days. In our parents' days, in fact, uh, we up not to hear of anything like divorce or any children who were living because their parents had divorced. We never heard about that. Right. And that's all I say for now, yeah. Wow. So, um, I mean, the general um, conclusion, like what I can get from all these conversations is that uh, in the GI generation, it was there was a lot of uh, arranged marriages and um, women's ba- women basically did not have any rights. So there was no, there was a lack of women's rights, especially. And um, from what I can tell, it's probably like marriage wasn't even based on love. It was just based on maybe starting a family, you know, that's why, or at least it was based on paying, uh, I would say paying a debt, 
like for example mom for your dad um your dad actually was your grandfather's friend and your grandfather gave his daughter which is your mom to your dad as you know because they were friends things like that so um in as much as it's a very unusual time and an unusual way to get married but that was a norm back then and i'm very sure that there was a lot of abuse of course and women probably try to um succumb to certain circumstances not because they had a right because they knew that they number one nobody will have their back as dad rightfully said like if you go to your parents to report they're just going to send you back so they didn't really have any kind of security and even if they could speak up it was just one person against the entire community so that was i believe based on what you guys are saying that was probably one of the reasons why divorce was a taboo in addition to the fact that maybe bride price and other things must have been entangled within the dynamics of that marriage per se um but that's really interesting to 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 hear about now let's go to the silent generation which is uh people born between 1927 and 1945 well that's still the generation before you guys but i i definitely believe that it was probably similar things that happened you know they were very similar to the gi generation um and especially in terms of experiencing the wars and the global and social events and um I mean, I believe globally around that time that's when social revolution started, but then again, they still had a very long way to go. And I believe that uh back home in Africa as a whole, um there was still a prevalence of the arranged marriages and the lack of women's rights and all of those things. I don't know if you guys want to just quickly chime in into that because they are very similar to the GI generation. Okay, uh, I was saying that the GI generation is actually the transition between uh, the former generation and maybe ours. Um, but at this point in time, uh, women were becoming more and more educated. They were allowed to go to school, so you get many more women who have gone to school right up to maybe secondary school, which was rare. But you will not get many of them going to university, and so. Um, With the previous generations women were to be seen and not to be heard. With this other generation before ours, many more women could also um be found uh in professions like teaching. But I remember some of the um women who actually went to some other uh, fields of uh, studies which had nothing to do with education but came up and were working as social workers. They were put to judge uh cases of uh, family breakdowns and you find out that each time a woman went to them even though they were women to complain about what was happening at home with their husbands the first thing is um they were quite hostile in a way um they would insult the woman and uh, ask her whether she was the first person to go through those um behaviors from the men and that she had to be more resilient and be tolerant on what is happening rather than just running to uh, report the men so again even with women being in a uh, positions to kind of guide the woman i would think personally that those women were just put there for the purpose of having a job but they did not have the laws back in be able to uh, take the right decisions and so you find out that a woman goes to report about her husband who is cheating or who is bringing girlfriends to insult her and she finds herself being the one being talked on 
to be tolerant, uh, to forgive and uh, live on and move on. So the woman can be battered several times. She keeps on playing that record of uh, being tolerant, being forgiving and uh, to move on. But then uh, a few women have lost their lives in that process right. because nobody was there to, to help them. And as uh, I'm sure that he will put it in, the laws that we have in Cameroon, even up to today, are not in favor of women. They are laws made by men and uh, they favor or protect the interests of the man and not the interests of the family. So at each point in time, the man is always right and the woman has to live, uh, learn to live with the situation in which she finds herself. So I'll end here and let uh, yeah, that add if that's it. Yeah, I'm talking about profession that women started getting into. She, mom mentioned the profession of teaching and social welfare, but one other profession is that of uh, nursing. Right. That is a profession that women started. You know, very few men, they, they got into nursing and very few went into university from the GI generation. And uh, yeah. what we see in the women who did nursing was that less than 50% ever got married because people felt that they knew so much about sexual relations, being nurses and things like that. So you see the, the earlier nurses of those days, most of them never got married. Right. Because people were sort of scared that they, they already knew something about uh, the body and, and the, the sex uh, and about sex. So people ran away from those type of women. Right. And uh, th that is from from the, the GI uh, generation. Yeah. But uh, I think the next generation, which is us, is what we will have more to talk about. Right. So I think you guys mean the silent generation, not the GI generation, because oh, the GI, right. yeah, the GI mm -hmm. generation was the first generation we spoke about. So um, you guys basically are talking about the silent generation where women started yeah. trying to be exposed yeah. to schools and to education and stuff like that, mm -hmm. even though there were still the main issues back home within the community about um you know women could not necessarily speak up you know so they just had to succumb to all the the um things that they were going through and it was very i mean we talk mostly about women because i suppose back then it was very rare for men to go through a similar thing you know there were still so many things in the community that were in the norms um, i believe if a woman even tried to speak up against a man first of all that was a taboo and he could just go bring another woman in you know and one thing that I noticed as well back then um, with respect to divorce is that um, a lot of like, for example, mom, you're my grandmother, that's mom's mother. She did not necessarily stay. I, I don't think she lived with with um, my granddad for a long time she, for the most part she was by herself so in the modern day you can call that maybe separation or divorce or anything but no name tag was actually attached to that kind of relationship like he had other women right so it's like the women just did not have any right to say i don't want this marriage anymore because you're with another woman or you're not treating me well no they just if the man leaves the man leaves whenever he comes he comes like they just had to sit there and and not say anything whatever the man did i'm not sure if i am right 
about that? Uh, not not quite, uh, because what happened was that when you're in a polygamous home, you build many houses. So each woman had a house of her own where she lives in with her children. And uh, the man has his own house where the women now visit him uh, in his own house or he might decide to spend the night in one person's uh, house. So it's not like he was not there, but you just know this is not your turn to be with your husband. And uh, you cook the food. The good thing about my dad, personally, I really didn't live so much with him uh, because I was staying with an aunt. Uh, but what I know is that uh, the women usually cook the food and bring to him. And then he would gather his children from the, the different houses and eat with them. So he had more union with his children than, than having women. a union with his wife. Mm. But he was there in his own house and each woman had a house. The good thing is the few times that I happened to pass through my dad's um, uh, compound, I had the leisure of eating from any of those houses. It really didn't bother us. It was just a norm. Uh, where you go and there's food, um, that is fine. But this was in a situation where um, my mom was in good terms with her uh, other mates. But you have other situations where there's a lot of tension. And so the child of the other woman cannot even step the food uh, into the house of the other lady. Or you get the children even at uh, loggerheads always fighting because the two uh, or three women don't agree. So um, that was a pattern, but it also moved into our own generation because even right up to now, there's still polygamy uh, yeah. taking place. And so it didn't end with the silent generation. It continued into our own generation. Right. And you will find out that our generation had the peculiarity that many more girls now were going to, to school. school. You can go into a classroom and you see more girls uh, than boys. Although as the higher you go, you find the reverse, that more boys would advance. But now people realize that it was easy to send or it was better, more profitable to send both boys and girls to school. And uh, that was proving that some of the uh, girls that came back with university degrees and got good jobs were really the ones taking care of the parents and not the, the, the boys. boys. Yeah. Because the moment the boy gets married, he too starts uh, thinking of his, of his own family and concentrating on taking care of his family. So that kind of revolutionized our parents to start being uh, more investive in both uh, genders and not just uh, the, 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 the male gender. And um, But that still did not stop the fact that um, once from a polygamous home, the tendency is that the, the 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 boy would likely want to be polygamous because yeah. he's seen his father and uh, he too wants to enjoy that freedom of having many wives. A few of them don't have, but there were also some bad uh, habits that they pick from the parents. For instance, if you have a battering uh, father, the likelihood is that you're going to enjoy that, whether it's in a polygamous home or a single uh, parent home. So yeah. you're going to enjoy that. And I think I think one, I'll pause here to say that one of the uh, characteristics, like you said before, uh, about my in-laws, my parents' in-law, was that my father-in-law was such a wonderful person that yeah. even if there was anything to cause uh, problems between him and the wife, he would first shy away from that discussion. Yeah. And, um, and so they lived very harmoniously. And he had also his brother 
who was junior to him, but he practiced what he saw his uh, elder brother do. So yeah. the two families, when you find them together, you don't know who is the the, the husband of which woman. Yeah. In, in that situation, you had the two families. What the elder brother does is what this junior brother is going to do. I mean, you have your inherent characteristics, which will come up from time to time. Right. But he was an exemplary person, not only to his immediate family, but even in the village. If you went to the, your, your grandfather's village and you mentioned him, everybody would talk positively about him because he was that uh, kind of person who would gather people together and try to make them see the advantage of living that kind of uh, uh, serene uh, uh, lifestyle. Yeah. He would gather people, send children to school who were not even his just because he had those um, uh, um, values of education. And right. so that kind of uh, tempered the fact that uh, divorce was uncalled for. And we learned particularly as a family and as you've known, we've learned to imitate what our parents uh, were doing. And so that would reflect in other families because if you have the one that is battering the, the mother every day, the boy is likely going to do the same. And the girl would think that that is the norm and she might end up not even wanting to get married just because of uh, that uh, um, bitter experience having lived through that kind of uh, torturous uh, family life. Right. Well, thank you so much, Mom, for um, elaborating on that. And I can definitely attest to that because my granddad, that's my dad's dad, I mean, they had about... 10 kids and each and every one of them at least had some level of education, both male and female. Um, so that is something that is very commendable on their part, you know, because it wasn't very common back then in the day. Now talking about, um, we follow what we see from our parents. I really want to talk about the baby boomer generation because that's your generation. And that's from 1946 to 1965. And, um, I believe you guys can say a lot about this, which we will get to. And I also think I can say a lot about your generation just from observation and experience as well. Um, but just a general, um, ideology or a general outlook on this generation they were born after the war era so the korean war world war one world war two um basically you guys your generation that's the baby boomers experienced the start of technological advancements so um that's why we had the self not the cell phone uh you know the the home phone the landline phones the tvs you know all those things um that i feel like that was the start of exposure to the outer world and then um and that's in with respect to africa that's what I mean. Um, and also you guys, your generation started really putting much more value on education and trying to put fulfillment ahead of those traditional values that, you know, the GI and silent generations had, and you had more women into the workforce. And, um, I mean, but still back then, um, not necessarily back then, back onto maybe like a couple of decades ago, the level of divorce was still not, um, Divorce was not a common thing per se. I, I would just say that, you know, without facts, but you guys can um, talk more about that. So I want you to talk about your experience based on your generation growing up and, you know, interacting with each other and also interacting with your friends and seeing your friends and colleagues um, dynamics in marriage. Yeah, the our generation is what really opened up to the world. 
that many more girls started going to school and then they worked. Although, as mom said before, if you went into a class, you'll have more girls. But as uh, uh, one moved upwards, say, to high school, then to university or college, the number reduced. Right. The age gap between the wives and husbands reduced as compared to the generation before us. Mm-hmm. It was not as wide. And uh, I want to bring up certain examples. For example, some of our classmates or women that I know were sent to school by older men from the silent generation because most of the people from the silent generation were teachers. So they saw girls who could do very well in school and paid their fees so that they would marry them. Oh, wow. Some of them, yes, some of them at the end married the girls, but the marriages never worked because the girls were educated in a way. Yeah. I know of this one that uh, the girl even had six children with a man and, and they divorced. Yeah. Those were very rare occasions. Right. The other one, the man paid the fees for the girl. She went to secondary school and then went to nursing school. And when it was time for the marriage, the girl couldn't accept because she met people in the, in the nursing school or, or that way of her age group. Mm-hmm. And uh, she didn't f- f- see why she should go and marry somebody 15, 18, or 20 years her older older than her because the person paid for her education. So the girl, even one of them asked the man, say, how much did you spend? The man said, I spent 800000 She wrote a check of 800000 and gave him. And that was the end. But uh, all those things have their repercussions because... Such a such a girl would not live well in the village because people would be talking and talking and talking about yeah. her. They'll say she's stubborn. Then, <laughs> yeah. Then, at the, uh, our in our own group, people could have a right now to choose their wives. Right. There was not the idea that people the pairing up reduced very greatly that people choose their wives and they got married and they settled down. So those marriages that people went into with their own eyes open had to last. But again, divorce was a taboo still, although you have those very rare cases taking place. Right. So it's fair to say that maybe your generation was the start of like the struggle to normalize divorce, even though, I mean, nobody gets married with the hope of divorcing, but at least people had the audacity to step up and choose themselves over the circumstances that they were going through in marriage, even though it was still a taboo. And like everything, um, it takes time for things to be normalized. So uh, mom, I want to hear your own idea of, you know, the experience in your generation. Yeah, I think daddy already um, mentioned some of the issues that uh, during our generation, it was more of 
what you can put love in quote because um, it was an informed decision. It was not based on what your parents uh, thought of or who your parents want you to be married to. It was more of you agreeing and say, yes, I think this is the right uh, person for me. But one thing you should also notice during our generation, it was very rare to get classmates um, end up marrying. Maybe because we were really not even thinking that such a thing should happen. Uh, I know for one, as a girl growing up in, in that generation, we thought that it was better to get a man that was a little bit older than we were mm. because we had the belief that a woman matures faster than a man right. and her reasoning uh, ca- uh, capacity is higher once you get that maturity. So if you get a man that is older than you, but not that wide gap of being father and daughter, um, you would be reasoning at a certain level, which is commensurate to maintain the family. And I think this might be one of the key uh, issues that your generation is facing because we recognize that maturity and we wanted somebody who is at least two, three years older than me to be my husband or somebody two, three years younger than me to be my wife, we were able to reason at a, a particular frequency that was more harmonious and allow us to, to discuss issues. But we also still had even the support of our families and uh, friends, but I will say friends less because those friends turn up always to betray you when you want to ask for advice. But once we have a problem, you ask back to your parents, they will give their own uh, opinion how you could have handled the situation, but not necessarily taking the final decision. It only opens your eyes to look wider, whether there were options that you had. And that helped us uh, not always to run to, to the point of divorce. Of course, we do know that in every home, there is always uh, something to argue about, to disagree on. But divorce shouldn't be the first on our table. Again, um, maybe we are the wrong people to to talk so much about this divorce because it always stems up from uh, the, the violence or the domestic violence that emanates where the woman is the drum and the man is the drummer uh, beating her on a daily basis. Right. And of course, we're not saying that there were no women who can beat the men, but they are very rare. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they can do it, but they, because of the societal norms, they will not do it. And so um, we could discuss our own issues and come to a solution. But one thing that I want to point out here also is that during our early years of um, youths being married, we realized that if that marriage was contracted abroad and it gets back to our Cameroonian uh, environment, that marriage is likely going to end up in a divorce. Mm. If it was contracted in Cameroon and went out abroad, is likely going to end in a divorce. Uh, the reason uh, for the first um, example coming from abroad to Cameroon is that you all know, like you are all out there, there's nobody uh, who is assigned to do the cooking and the laundry and the uh, uh, right. um, the dishes or right. every other house chore. Uh, like the woman in Cameroon will do all of that and the man sits and waits. Yeah. You, both of you will work yeah. as a team. 
And so when you get back to Cameroon and you try to practice that, um, first of all, the family is going to revolt. They will think the man is weak. Yes. And he cannot allow himself to be dominated by a woman asking him to go wash dishes or to take care of the child, which is something which uh, should be understood by the couple that when I'm doing it, I'm doing it with joy because it's to help my spouse or my partner to be able to have time to do some other thing. And so because of that, people start talking and you see uh, that will bring uh, a point of argument. Of course, they'll end up divorcing. When they go abroad, if it's the woman that has been doing everything, then she suddenly finds herself in a society that is very protective with laws that uh, empower women. And then she starts being stubborn. And the man was not used to doing those chores. Of course, he will not be happy. And of course, when he get abroad again, the woman who had never been working back home suddenly finds herself in a situation where she has to do something. Uh, job and uh, bring in income that income again is like empowering her and yes, she can take her own decision and it's it, you know the listing would result in a divorce just because she feels i no longer need your financial support but marriage should not be on the basis of uh, uh, money or who has what but it's, it's harmony, it's togetherness, it's oneness, and uh, we should look in terms of that to be able to make ends meet. Um, I think that these are some of the things that have made divorce a little bit less in our uh, generation, but also uh, provoked by the cultural environment in which we find ourselves. Find yourself in the uh, typical Cameroonian culture or African cultural society. Uh, it's likely going to last because people will learn to to, to persevere. Yeah. But again, it doesn't mean a woman who comes from another African country into one would always feel lonely because you don't have that family support. Yeah. And it is very important when you have that argument, you feel that their, their spouse's family is behind him and you have nobody who listens to you, who sees. And so you feel that loneliness enough is going to cause a divorce. So sometimes cross-culture or cross-country uh, uh, marriages are more prone to divorce than when you are from uh, the same country. And again, it's even uh, better when you're from the same tribe. Right. I mean, uh, thank you very much for sharing that. And I mean, that, that, uh, you know, the cross-cultural um, in relations and uh, marriages, that's a topic for another day because it's a very important thing to talk about, especially in terms of tribalism as well. Not even only necessarily, in, in fact, cross yeah, cross-cultural and cross-nationality as well. Um, tribalism is such a big thing in the African community. But from my own experience about uh, your, you guys' generation, I mean, I was basically... Now, growing up, I wasn't really knowledgeable enough to understand certain things. But as I've grown up and I look back, I can see that, um, you know, most of these topics that we have actually talked about right in the podcast, most of them, I could see them in like some of those uncles and aunties relationship dynamics. Um, But they still stuck together and they're still together. Like, for example, the anonymous um, uh, girl who 
basically elaborated further on how domestic abuse affects the children. She, one of the reasons why she wanted to be anonymous was to protect her mother and also because her parents are still together, you know. And um, she really went in and spoke about her own experience and the amount of abuse that her mom endured, the emotional, physical, mental abuse that her mom endured. And she's still stuck there, you know. And then um, I, I believe something, I mean, we will talk about these topics eventually, but like just in general, I feel like reputation too was another thing. You had like women succumbing to so much because, um, you know, they wanted to always have this reputation. And then of course you have the financial dependence and lack of education or lack of advanced education and things like that. So, and also the gender roles, like you had mentioned, um, it's such a big thing even now in our African community, especially in Africa. I mean, out here, like you rightfully mentioned, life is too hectic and chaotic for one woman to one person or one man or woman to just do what, uh, take a specific role unless that's a mutual agreement because we have to learn how to quickly have to learn how to help one another in order for you know to keep a happy home out here you know but that's usually not the case um another thing too was one thing that I noticed, and again, I just want to stress that these are not all facts. We're just bringing that conversation out and talking based on our experiences. But one thing I noticed, especially with your generations, is that they put so much pressure on the woman to keep the marriage, right? Um, for the most part, like when we spoke about div- the, the episode Divorce and Life Thereafter with Susan Mancho, like she was talking about a lot of her aunties they kept saying, you know, you have to fix it. You have to fix it. You know, you have to stick. Like, it's like the, it, it, all of a sudden, when there are issues in the marriage, it becomes the woman's responsibility to keep that marriage together. And if the marriage fails, it ends up boiling down to the woman. Um, it's because the woman has that sole responsibility or she feels like she is a failure because the marriage did not work. So that's just something that I have never really understood. Um, and thankfully, I don't want to understand that because... Um, I did not grow up that that wasn't the example that you guys showed us. And that's definitely not the example that I will show my kids. Um, but those are a few things that I just wanted to point out that may actually lead to, um, the scarcity of divorce, even though it wasn't, uh, it was definitely uncommon, but it wasn't non-existent. Right. But at least that was a start of, you know, um, your generation actually started the whole ideology of trying to normalize divorce, even though there were just so many obstacles and hurdles that were entangled, uh, between or entangled with that whole ideology of divorce. Now let's move on to generation X, which were born between 1965 and 1980. I mean, none of us, your children were born around that time and you guys were barely um you're not even teenagers probably you know uh, and so by then you were probably teenagers as well but um i just wanted to i mean i can't really speak a lot for it i don't know if you guys have something to say about that but um i i know a lot of my older cousins were born around that time and uh this was actually the generation that really emphasized career over family and um they actually, st- it, it was becoming normal. It started becoming normal in that generation to have divorced parents, right? Some of them had to leave with divorced parents, even though in our African community, it was very, very rare. So I don't know if you guys want to quickly say something about that, or if not, then we can go to our generation. Me, that generation is uh, the one that really started it. But again, the laws of Cameroon, still make it hard for divorce to go through, even though some of them uh, had the divorce. The divorce laws in Cameroon were written by men to favor the men. 
and the women who finally went out on divorce never got anything from the marriage as perhaps money to keep on with the children because they went away with the children. And you will not believe that the men who wrote the laws were really funny because they tell you that if you want to divorce your husband, you must catch him red-handed with a woman on the marriage bed so your husband can come with a woman anywhere in your house and uh, you, you will not, the court will not do anything to him if you went and reported. But they say you must meet him on the marriage bed. Or you can have evidence of that. Yeah, or you, you can have evidence. What evidence can you have on the marriage bed? You know, if you even meet him under your bed, that is not no evidence. So the, 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 the men were protected by the law because they were the persons who wrote the law. And it made it so difficult for the women. And if the women had to divorce, they got nothing out of the marriage, which was uh, really bad. So they started it. Many more women started work. They had their financial autonomy. And of course, thank God that those of them who even went away with the children could raise the children without any money from the men because the men were protected by the law. And uh, that's what makes things really difficult. But we, the, the laws have now started, they, they have started adjusting them, you know, yeah. so that the man can be called to book if he misbehaves. Right. Right. That's that's a very interesting um, thing. I mean, I'm not really familiar with the Cameroonian law, but to think that the law actually started that way. And, you know, thankfully, at least they're becoming a little bit more lenient and giving women a voice as well. So that's something really good to hear about. So I don't know if you wanted to add anything to that, Mom. Yeah, uh, I mean, um, unlike out there where in a divorce situation, they look at who is financially viable to to. To, to have custody of the children among all the other uh, criteria that they put forward um, to protect the children. In our society, it's just but automatic. You go with your children and the man would get another wife if it's already not even in another relationship before you reach that level. So um, you find out that the woman also thinking about it and say, I have five children with this guy and then I move. I don't have a house. I don't have a car i don't have anything how am i going to start especially if the income is not really that sufficient um, to 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 put a meal on the table clothe them and pay for their education so some of those things will just make them uh, shy away from even going further because there's no child alimony that is paid by anybody in our uh, cameroon law yeah. even though daddy said that the laws are becoming a little bit more lenient i still want to see it because i think cameroon is one of those countries that is very slow on um, editing its constitution and uh, putting things, uh, uh, yes, the right laws to reflect the era in which we live. But you, you see, and then the second thing is that every man feels protected uh, being under a man. And so 
when you have five children and you 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 go out of that home most of the time it's like nobody is going to get married to you and of course till today is still a taboo how will you leave uh, some a, a young girl to go and get married to a woman with five children or even one or two children it's right. unheard of nobody wants to to stand in for that and so she was like Okay, I really don't have any other person. Everybody, whether we like it or not, wants the company of a companion. A yeah. companion you can share happy moments and sad moments with. And so some of those things make it so hard that even up to today, people want to stand in, uh, persevere in that kind of environment. And then to a little extent, some family names are the kind of names that everybody wants to be associated with. And yeah. it's like, you got to get there and you're pulling out for what reason that you could not stand. So there are those little, little uh, um, issues that might make a woman want to continue to stick in even when it is not uh, uh, doable. But it is really when the pressure is so much and it's unbearable. Right. Some would take the bold step and say to her with it, let me pull out. But the majority would always be there might be a better tomorrow. There will be a better tomorrow. And then finally, some of them actually have lost their lives in that better tomorrow when they continue to to persevere. And again, this is where friends and relatives come in with forgiveness and um, perseverance. So um, again, the, the educational system in Cameroon it's good, but you will see that even this generation that um, is spilling over into your generation also faces the challenge of um, unemployment. So it actually even started with our generation where the unemployment rate was beginning to be more prominent. And uh, so it, it, it really makes it uh, difficult to leave when you don't want to leave this typical village life where farming is the norm to a a city life where you have to have a white collar job and uh, those kind of things. And if you are seen selling things by the roadside, having had a university degree, it's like you've just wasted your energy. So some people would be forced to be in that uh, kind of situation just because they didn't have any options. Right. Right. Um, And I also just wanted to add, like, you know, um, we're talking a lot about women, but I believe that men actually started um, really experiencing um, abuse and other issues as well in marriages from this generation as well. And um, because, I mean, of course, in the past, it was such a taboo for a woman to even speak up to a man or at least even be the perpetrator in a marriage you know like be the abuser but since you know we've had all these years of education and financial independence amongst some of the women um we started seeing i believe we started seeing traits of abuse among men from this generation so abuse against the men as well from this generation and i believe that um in recent times looking back it's something that um started to be normalized even though even even though now men still don't talk about that but it was one of those things back then that you know it was easy to know that this man is going through something like the men started thinking about maybe maybe thinking or at least trying to start getting vulnerable and talking about their issues as well um so that is what i can say about that all right Mm -hmm. so let's talk about the millennials which is our generation um those 
born between 1981 and 1996. So generally, the general outlook on you know millennials is they put off marriage until very later and marriage and children. And um, like mommy had mentioned before, there is a lot of change in the gender roles. It's very common. It's common to see you know stay at home dads now. It's common to see men doing the laundry, men helping out to cook. You know, men also being domesticated just as much as women. Um, and also there is so much focus in education and of course women have been so empowered there are a lot of movements that have been established within our generation there have been a lot of revolutions and women have been there's been a lot that has been put into equality especially an inclusion of women and empowering women as well from so many charity organizations so many international organizations um basically our generation started putting that pressure at like to say pressure on equality pressure on normalizing so many things that have been otherwise not normalized in our african community and i mean growing up you know i personally as you guys may know i've always been the very outspoken one and i've been the i guess the stubborn one but you know looking at you guys your marriage and that's why I wanted you guys to come here because um, you're the perfect example of what I see a marriage to be, especially growing up. I mean, of course, it didn't mean you guys didn't have tr- problems, but you guys did a very good job at, you know, shielding us and protecting our innocence from the problems that you guys were having, whatever they were, you know. But um, all I saw at home was unity. All I saw at home was respect. Um, dad, you respected mom and mom respected dad as well. In most positions, mom was the only woman. Um, even till now, she's either the first or only woman to have ever attained certain positions professionally as well. So all of that that I saw from you guys, which was not even the norm in your generation, that's what kind of... Um, influenced and established certain values in me growing up as well as a millennial now um i can i believe i i can speak more about us because um it's my generation obviously but i feel like with all the empowerment that has been going on and with all the confidence that we have had you know and that empowerment has come through financial independence education you know and standing up for ourselves basically and not really caring about what the the society um does or says about us that has really um changed the dynamics on divorce and i feel like that's one of the reasons why um a lot of the older generations think that starting from our generations through gen z um the rate of divorce has been increased or at, at least expedited, you know, or or basically, yeah, drastically increased, you know. So um, I don't know what you guys' outlook is because I believe, again, I go back to the interviews that I've had. Like, for the most part, um, people that succumb to a marriage or an abusive marriage longer than they had to, it had always been, like, advice from people from the older generations, right? Or even people from the community, not necessarily even older generations, because in as much as we still try to stand for ourselves, we still try to go for what's right, This the community still has that ideology that, you know, being a divorcee, say oh I don't want to marry a divorcee or being a divorcee with kids you're not going to get another you're not going to get married again or it's just a bad taboo or you're going to be judged as a bad person and stuff like that so there's still that uh, mentality in our community it has not gone away even as we speak but at least our generation tried to normalize the idea of divorce based on you know um you know 
inconsiderable differences or at least based on the fact that the marriage was way above repair or at least they did everything they possibly could and they're not just going to settle so in other words divorce was not like the end of one's life or at least marriage was not the end of one's life that they just had to succumb to any kind of thing but um i know for one that a lot of people from your generation kind of looked at that as you know um a few things we have heard about, especially about our generation and Gen Z, um, is that, you know, we we're, we don't really, we don't persevere in marriage or we don't, uh, we can't tolerate. We're very weak. We're very sensitive. The list thing we want to divorce. It's like we don't value marriage the way, we don't look at marriage the way it has to be looked upon. And of course, you have the religious aspect to it where people advise you to stick in abusive marriages. Oh, the Bible, God does not like divorce and things like that. So I just want to get you guys' opinion on um, how you think our generation looks at divorce. Well, maybe um, let me come here. You have already caught the the main issues with your generation. But you realize that during our times, um, there were very few uh, girls that had the opportunity to travel abroad, as well as there were many more boys, but there were still few. And so uh, your generation is first of all the one that every other parent, that means us, we are struggling with sending all our children abroad. The first thing was the opportunity of living a better life because, like I said, it started already within uh, our own time where uh, having a white-collar job in Cameroon became uh, quite rare and scarce. And so we didn't want you guys to fall victim to what some of us uh, went through. Maybe um, your dad and myself happened to have been in professions that were scarce and uh, it would come to the worst, we would always have a job. But it wasn't the same with every other person. You found people who went to school and they ended up maybe going to ENS to, to be able to have a teaching job because that was one of the rare professions that you'd uh, always have something to do. But any other thing besides teaching, medicine, you might not likely have a job for the government. And so our aim was to make sure that our children were abroad. And of course, the more you went abroad, the more you were closer in age, the gap became uh, so narrow. And so you find out that very few of you will be married to somebody who has two, uh, four years uh, uh, age difference. Most of the time, it's one year, two years. So you were like two kids together. And if you remember, I said we, during our time, we we believe that the men or the boys were getting uh, matured slower than the girls. I don't know how you people think about it, but you look at it like a fairy tale. And it's like hot, 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 hot. Oh, I'm in love with this person. You go in without knowing so much about the person. Or even the things that you know, even the warning signs that you see, you always believe that, oh, no, it's just because we are still friends. When we become husband and wife, things will be different. But some of those warning signs, they are there to alert you that this kind of person is not the kind of person that will meet your kind of uh, expectations. And so you, you you quickly jump into a relationship based on the so-called feelings of love and you, you, you miss out on those things that will make a good foundation. And so uh, the next day when you are in, you find out that things are even getting worse and you, you call it quits. But uh, 
marriage demands more than the physical attraction that you you have to have. You really need to look at the dynamics. It's a whole school of its own. You have to learn. When you are a friend with somebody of the opposite sex, you know, you're putting up your best show. But when you are husband and wife, there's no more best show because you're living the reality of life. And so if, if you don't learn how to deal with the weaknesses of the other person, you will start comparing right from day one. This is not who I saw when I came into this relationship and it will collapse overnight. So if you go in with the idea that you're going to learn, you're going to learn not the good parts of me, you're going to learn my bad parts and how to deal with them, then you will be able to uh, make that relationship last longer and i think those are some of the skills that you guys in your generation you truly lack even the best of friends even the one that has put up the best of shoes there will be that me this is who i really am when you are in a relationship of marriage not a relationship of boyfriend girlfriend and you guys seem to miss that point you compare the two as if they were equal to the other it will never be the same so I'll let Daddy also say his own opinion here. Yeah, for people of your group, as Mom said, most of you are abroad, if you look at the numbers. And being abroad, you have your marriages under different rules. So if the man uh, touches the woman, the woman is protected by the law of the country. Your other colleagues at home are under different marriage rules. Right. And uh, when you see that, it's uh, very difficult because you people are living two different lives. I think that the people at home, they have people to help them in their marriages. They have house servants that you people don't have in the States. So it's more complex for you people to live and uh, you, you have to make adjustments. You have many more classmates of people with very close ages marrying at your age. Right. So with the young and uh, with the difference and the age bracket, it, it, it's difficult and divorce quickly comes in. So that's what really exposes people of your generation. Well, um, I mean, I, I, I know that that's you guys' opinion. Um, I agree to most of them, but I don't necessarily disagree with the other topics. I'm not really sure if I understood you, you exactly well, Dad, but um, let me just reiterate what you were saying. So you were saying that, you know, here abroad, um, we are at least... Divorce can be easier because of the laws that protect either the woman or the man. But back home in Africa, or at least, for example, in Cameroon, which is where we're from, the laws don't easily uh, fall into place when it has to do with divorce. So it makes it harder to get divorced back home versus here. Is that what you're saying? Yep. Okay. And then um, the other one, you said the age differences are very uh, close to each other. So it makes it, it's like two babies getting married and then trying to figure things out. And that makes the marriage um, easier to end compared to um, other people who have attained a certain level of maturity. Is that what you're saying? True. Okay. So, um, y- yeah, I mean, 
I about the law part, of course, um, I, I would try. I, I, I don't really have as much experience from stories, but I would, you know, maybe agree. But I believe that the, the, the whole process of divorce can either be extended or not. Even here, yeah, you can file for divorce easily here, but the process of divorce could take years if two people don't come together and agree. And of course, I mean, if it takes that long, it means that they're even fighting more and they probably will not reconcile. Um, but in terms of the age, um, I don't know if I completely um, agree per se with that because um, you still have older people in like you can have a 40 50 year old man or woman in a in a 16 year old body you know so i don't even think age comes age is important of course but you know you have a lot of successful marriages where the woman is older than the man and they have made it and you even have other marriages where the man is older than the woman by a couple of years and they have made it now i mean in terms of age difference i'm not really talking about um the age difference that your generation and the generation I both had, like, you know, you had like parents giving their daughters to other parents, you know, that's different. But, um, I, I, I mean, to an extent, maybe age could play into part because, um, there are two people trying to figure it out, but I, I won't say that that's, that should be a common factor as to why divorce was, is more common. Um, personally, I'm talking also in terms of, I'm talking also in terms of, um, you know, tumultuous marriages like the abusive marriages you know um like mommy had mentioned um you know sometimes we don't really know the people and we just rush into marriages and stuff like that and then we see that that's not what we want and then we cannot persevere and we leave right but looking at the generations earlier i feel like if they had the opportunity to do that they would do the same because those ones some people like for example our grandparents generations or even some of your generations i mean some people from your generation it's like they met their husbands there was a lot like you guys mentioned there was a lot of arranged marriages so they literally met their husbands on the day that they were getting married to them they had never known them you know so i feel like that's even worse but the only difference is that they could not stand up and speak up for themselves they could not um basically have that right or opportunity to leave the marriage because they did not agree they didn't even have the right or even the opportunity to agree to disagree because they just had to especially the women had to succumb to whatever came their way in that marriage because they didn't even want the marriage to begin with you know so i just feel like the times um that have changed as well have actually influenced the rate of divorce as well because more people have been able to speak up and speak out against things that are wrong i'm not sure if um you know, I'm making sense. And also looking at it, um, we had already spoken about people in your generation who were, you know, that you, your generation started the divorce, but it was extremely uncommon, you know, but you guys were more tolerant to polygamy, which is something that we cannot, our generation and Gen Z, we don't believe in for the most part. And then also I feel like the idea of bright price kind of like helped people into mar- in marriages because you have poor families that gave their daughters to a rich family, um, in exchange for money back in your generations and above, um, and they could not afford to pay back that money. So the woman just had to stay in the marriage. And um, of course, the financial dependence and lack of education and obviously reputation, that was a major factor in keeping people together, even though they did not want to be together in the marriages. But now in our times that have changed, studies have actually shown that people from your generation 
now recently have the highest rate of divorce so i i mean that's not surprising because like i said times have changed and people can speak up we have a lot of our mothers and our fathers who have been in abusive situations whether physically emotionally or even mentally or financially they have been in very emo- uh, abusive marriages for so long and they probably stuck together because of us the kids or they just stuck together you know because they didn't have a say but now they are standing up especially the women who have been suppressed for so many years they have they are standing up and being empowered it's even probably by their own children to leave the marriages and so you can see now that some of our parents or some of the people from your generation are getting divorced after like 40 years of marriage 50 years of marriage you know it's becoming more common nowadays which i which i think um i mean i don't really I'm not I'm not happy or I don't support divorce but of course I support it when it's abusive and puts people's life at risk but I think it's a good thing that people more people can stand up for themselves and speak up and and not just you know go with the status quo because that's how it's always been but speak up and stand up for themselves and make decisions over their lives because it's it's the right thing to do so I don't know if you guys have any um words to add to that before maybe we close yeah um uh, I would not really say that um, our generation did not have uh, reasons to get um, divorced, but um, people who have also gone through arranged marriages, some of them have actually ended up liking the partners that they've had. So it, it, it also has to do with individuals' um, uh, behaviors. We, we can cite a couple of cases where um, this young girl, even younger than me, was uh, engaged to this guy who was already a teacher somewhere just because of the parents. And it ended up being a very happy, uh, successful marriage. Why was it? Because though um, she was a baby, the husband gave her all the respect and she, in, uh, in, in her own turn, respected the man. In fact, I can remember some of her classmates saying that, oh, this guy is carrying her on his back like a baby and they're always doing things. So when you give uh, an individual his or her respect, that union is bound to, to work. Why do think, uh, marriages break down? It's because there's no respect from the other. If you treat me like garbage, there's no reason why I would treat you like a king. But if you treat me like a queen, there's, I would treat you more than a, a king if there's anything above a king. And so it, it all depends on how we respond to each other's emotions, each other's feelings and the needs, you know. But when we say you people are premature in the way you, you decide, um, yes, we're right in a way uh, that... It's so easy for you to believe that you're falling in love, but the love is the parties, the restaurants uh, that you go to, and you feel that is it. There is so much you need to dig dig deeper before making a decision of marriage. Uh, And for me, you you have to set some criteria. What is it that you are looking in a partner? Again, it's not about the physical attraction. If you have that physical attraction, then that is fine. But you're looking at the responsiveness to the person, not always to the good situation. To the good situation, nobody ever talks about good situation. But to the situations that you feel that things are happening and you need support. That is very important for any 
young uh, uh, kids to make that decision to be married. The other thing that you people are facing out there is the fact that you don't have the family dynamics to support you. We, as Africans, we, we, we believe so much in the family dynamics. And the family dynamics is not me, my husband, my children. It is me, my husband, my children, my in-laws, my own family. And so that brings the family dynamics. So people who don't have that, friends will come in to support. You You have seen, as you lived with us uh, in Cameroon before traveling, when there is a small problem, even your neighbors are there to say, look, let me help you with doing this. Let me do this for you. And when you are faced with challenges of even uh, 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 taking care of kids, you will find people coming to help. That you don't have that out there. It has to be the two of you to decide what you want to do. And that can be very demanding, especially if you fall in the trap where the other partner has not never been brought up to pick up some of those aspects and he or she is not willing to learn. And then that brings in all the, 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 the hazards that you have and lead, leading to the breakage in the marriage. But the other issue is the inborn characteristics. If I'm a fighter, I'm a fighter throughout. It's not because I'm married to you that I will stop being a fighter. I will always fight. And the least thing, I would, I would take physical. And of course, that physical can cause harm. And so uh, these are some of the things that uh, you guys need to take care of. When, Well, in your case, you're not making a choice now. But if there was anybody to be advised, these are some of the things you need to take care of um, in making choices. Is it somebody who listens or is it somebody that will write a book when you, you want to express a point of dis- disagreement? The person has already written a book and sign it off. So those right. are some of the things that you need to think about. Yeah. I believe that Daddy might have some other piece of advice to give before we close. Yeah, just one quick point to say, uh, I know you mentioned that uh, divorce started perhaps to be rampant with our generation and that some people even waited up to the the 40 or 50 years old. I would beg to disagree that I don't know any person of our age who has stayed in marriage up to that time and divorced because there will really be nothing for them to get out of it. Well, that, that's, um, not, that's not an it, accurate statement, Daddy. There's everything yeah. to get out of it, actually. <laughs> yeah, so so I, I think uh, most marriages, when they want to fail, they fail in the earlier years, not like somebody staying 40 or 50 years before divorcing. Divorcing to do what? I mean, well. such people will decide to, to, to stay in a house and perhaps live in different rooms or things like that. But to, to attach the word divorce to their marriage, no. And yeah, uh, and I just think that was the statement I had to make. Yeah, but Daddy, you have to understand that that doesn't make the marriage any better for them sleeping in different rooms. And the statement I actually make is made is a fact. It's not like something I'm just talking about. It's something I read. And that's a general statement. It's globally. The people from uh, 
the the baby boomers actually have the highest rate of divorce now because a lot of those baby boomers you know back then in your time marriage for most people not necessarily for you guys marriage was kind of an achievement back then it was like especially for the women it's like you have to get married and have your kids so it was like the end of the road but a lot of people from your generation have started realizing that there's more to live in life especially because the lifespan has been increased you know there are a lot of advancements technological advancements health advancements that have you know increased the lifespan of people from your generation so they have you said you know what's there to get out of it actually like i mentioned there's a lot to get out of it because a lot of people from your generation have realized that there's so much more life ahead of them to leave and they want to live their best lives they don't necessarily want to go into another marriage even though I've, there are a lot of people of your generation who have actually remarried at their old age but when they realize that especially a woman or a man it's like this woman has succumbed to so much adultery so much abuse and she's like you know what no i'm not going to leave the last couple of years of my life in agony and in pain i don't want this anymore and i'm out you know especially when the kids are already grown and it's just both of you left there and the whole thing like you know the whole abuse still continues and they're like no i don't want to live this life anymore my children are out of the house and stuff like that and i feel like there's so much more for me to leave but then again um based on what you're saying it's definitely not a popular ideology in our african community but this is definitely a fact that you know based on research that fact has been established that you know people from your generation actually now in this times in this modern and current times have the highest level of um divorce now i mean just a closing statement um that i have to to say uh from what mommy was talking about um especially and i believe both of you have said it in one way or the other but i feel like for the most part people from our generation and below it seems like we easily get divorced because we get married quickly without really um doing the research the sufficient research and really analyzing internally and externally what is it that we want from a marriage and what is it that we have to offer in a marriage so um i feel like that's my own takeaway point um from this conversation that i mean i'm already married but um the advice i'm having for other listeners who are not married is um you know before you want to get into marriage it's always good to really sit down it's not only about the looks you have to really sit down and figure out what is it you have to bring to the table and what is it you want to take from the table and make that judgment and see in the long term and see if that's somebody that can um be with you through thick and thin for better for worse and all those things so that when you're making those vows in front of god and man um the vows actually mean something to both of you and not just a superficial vow because you see someone that you want to get married to you know and of course if things don't work out yeah get a divorce but it shouldn't be the first option that you're looking into am i right or am i right <laughs> very right all right well thank you guys so much um for coming over and having this conversation this is this are the kind of conversations that we have um behind the scenes and i just wanted the listeners to hear out and when i say that i hope this conversation does not end here and we carry it to our circles i was just bringing my little circle of mom and dad for us to discuss um and talk about you know um the past episodes and the lessons that we have learned and just really digest different aspects and perspectives on certain topics and divorce or marriage was one of them today and i'm very 
glad that you guys came over. And again, I hope that the listeners can learn from this conversation. A lot of what we spoke about was based on our perspectives and based on general ideologies and not necessarily facts. Um, so I just wanted to point that out there for you guys to take it with a piece of salt and also go back to your circles and further discuss um, on these topics and come up with your own um you know, points to take home. So mom and dad, I want to thank you so much. And um, I will see you guys in the next episode. Thank you. Thank Thank you. you. today thank you for listening to our show if you want to participate in the show or find out more helpful resources then visit www.livingafricanpodcast.com for more information or email us at hello at livingafricanpodcast.com also don't forget to connect with us on all social media platforms at living african podcast you can also connect with anyo directly on facebook or instagram at anyo fombard Thanks again for listening and let's not forget to be more understanding and nicer to one another.